It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We've seen Tyson get floored. I mean, it's not like he doesn't get, get hit. Wilder, we admit, has a terrific fight. But don't forget the Cunningham fight in New York which was a lighter heavyweight that hit him on the chin and had him on his seat. So I think what they're saying is, is muck it up. And if you can touch him up, you're going to have a chance here. Welcome back to the Battle of the Baddest podcast. It's episode six. Coming up on this week's show, joining me live from Las Vegas, Todd DeBuff, the CEO of Top Rank, Tyson Fury's American promoters. Also, two Celtic warriors, two British legends in Carl Frampton and Josh Taylor. And also a man with a very famous British boxing name. Yes, it's Eubank. And this week, it's Harlem Eubank, the super lightweight who fights in November. All that and more coming up. Well, starting the show today, it gives me absolute pleasure to welcome in Todd DeBuff live from America. He's on his way to Las Vegas today, actually. He's been there in the last week or two, and I am now going to catch up with him. Todd, how are you? How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Three weeks to Fury versus Nganu. Tyson Fury versus Francis Nganu. I haven't had an opportunity to really catch up with you over it yet. One of the biggest events you've ever been involved in? You know, I think the, the newness of it for us makes it really impactful and big, right? You know, going into the region, being a part of the odd season, which is a very, very big festival for them, is makes it very big. I think the crossover effect of, um, I think, uh, the MMA boxing type of crossover effect makes it feel unique and different. So, I, you know, it, it's hard after 30 years to say the biggest events. I mean, because they all um they all have this 
different significance, but I feel this is going to be a very meaningful experience. Obviously, I spoke to Bob a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying that the the shift, the investment from Saudi Arabia, the investment into boxing, into heavyweight boxing, particularly at the moment from Saudi Arabia, um, is fascinating and it's amazing to be a part of it. And it, it, it is almost like a paradigm shift that we're involved with at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure this is isolated to boxing. I think us in the boxing world have a have a habit of getting stuck in stuck in our little rabbit hole and think everything around us is is constant. But look at the soccer players big traffic. Headlines last week is they're going to be a finalist for the World Cup. You know, we need to make the coming cycle. Look at uh, them, you know, uh, hosting Formula One, Formula E, WWE. They're just because they are now becoming and they've established themselves uh, to be, you know, a hub for global entertainment. And when you think of global entertainment, as the child being from Las Vegas, that's what Las Vegas sees as powers was, right? It used boxing as that mechanism, right? The draw people there, the draw attention there. Just sit, sit outside in the stands, see their power parking lot, and draw, draw global attention. And I think they're playing right out of the playbook, but at a way bigger level on every sport, and boxing is just that. What's fascinating is the rapidity the alacrity, the speed with which they're adopting and adapting and understanding how all these sports work and how how boxing works and how the algorithms are there for promotion. I mean, I think I find that fascinating as well. It's something that obviously you've been involved tele with television deals and the pizzazz of events of upgrading um, top rank over the last 20, 25 years into kind of more theater, more drama. And they seem to have just established that very, very quickly, certainly around this event. Um, I mean, I think the, the launch, the press conference, the theatrical surrounding the theatrical environment, as if you're going to get near the opera on the mission of possibility. Is a sign of that. Uh, I think they are executing, once they have the events, they are executing terrifically in a fast way, in a terrible way, with that high level. Um, and I think when you start to look at um, sporting events, when you start to dig down big events in the Olympics or the Super Bowl, you know. I mean, we have integrated content within the Super Bowl, which is a halftime show. We, you know, um, it's the college football championship with big production, with music and entertainment, dancing. And I think they want to, I think they're showing, putting the best foot forward and saying, this, this is going to happen here at that level and maybe in the well, one of those things, one of those promotional things, I know you were in Las Vegas at the launch of it. If we can just see this, the sphere rotating in Las Vegas. I mean, you've been there in person. I haven't been there, and a lot of us haven't seen it in person. That sphere is enormous, isn't it? And to see Fury, 
and Nagano in 3D and the Battle of the Baddest as it circulates there. I mean, you were there at the opening of it. Was it very dramatic? Well, the, it, like, there's, there's two pieces to what we're talking about. It's one is the spirit itself, the experience of being inside of it. And obviously, I'm a big YouTube fan. Uh, I've seen them many times, but seeing them in this setting was absolutely something experientially something I've never experienced before, and I've seen before that part of it was immersive. It was not only the sensory elements, it was the visual sensory that they really hit on. Uh, and just felt like we were transplanted, constantly taking it down the So that absolutely was you know, fantastic. The outside of the spirit, the, uh, the LED uh, display that is able to specifically at night illustrate either a basketball for the NBA, an eye, a marketing for the biggest and baddest, Ethereum and Donald, is just broken. And as such a good when you see it, the light of my God So I think you have two pieces to it. It has a has a bit of a lot of signal, a lot of flash when you see the content on the outside of that building. And you're driving by it, or you're flying over it. You're in a hotel room, you have to make the city, and you're seeing this illuminated, you know, massive sphere of just electricity. Um, but when you're inside of it, it's well, I thought it was fascinating. I don't know whether you're involved in it, but the the baddest of the the best the battle of the baddest fight was being advertised, if you like, in Las Vegas, as if to say, "Look, just look. This is what we're doing. Please note to Las Vegas." Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's part of the, you know, we call about those big splashes kind of the world of marketing, right? You know, you know, taking racks and, and uh, training or subways and, you know, Times squares or Piccadilly squares. And, you know, it's a grill marketing and it's elegantly done and does it with a big punch. And I think that outside the was really, really done by, you know, the, uh, uh, the uh, Season, hearing attention to the art season, and obviously, hearing the guy. Fantastic. I want to talk to you about the card in a minute, but I've spoken this week to three people for the Battle of the Baddest podcast. First of all, um, Harlem Eubank, who has a fight in November, the super lightweight. Uh, here's what he had to tell me Harlem Eubank, uh, I want to ask you. Um, a lot of people are writing off Francis Ngannou against Tyson Fury. Strange things happen in boxing. Um, you're from a family steeped in the sport. Your father, your uncle, your cousin, the name Eubank resonates as legendary in, in British boxing. You have a fight coming up on November the 10th in Brighton, your hometown, against Timo Schwarzkopf, of course, and we are really looking forward to your fight. But on October the 28th, Tyson Fury takes on Francis Ngannou. Does he have to be wary against the former UFC champion, the Gypsy King? Most definitely he has to. As we know in boxing, 
it's so exciting because one punch can change anything. And Ngannou has that punch. He has that power. Um, that's what he brings to that fight. Um, you know, so it's in it's in Fury's you know hands to to outbox him and avoid that, uh, which I think he should do. But Ngannou brings that uh, you know that factor where he has the game changer. He has the equalizer. And um, should he should he execute it? Should he land it? Then then uh, it's. Uh, it levels the playing field, doesn't it? Especially as it's heavyweights. It's a different game. It's a different game. It's less it's less about skills up there and more about sheer, you know, force. Um and uh and Garnu has that, but some Fury is uh the most tricky boxer in that division and, and knows how to handle uh you know most boxers, let alone UFC stars. So um yeah, my my prediction would go with Fury for that. If you were in Nagano's corner and you were in this training camp, what would you be advising him to do? Um, channel that wild power, you know, find opportunities to let them hands go at different angles, um, unpredictable angles, you know, use that UFC pedigree to give Fury, he has something he hasn't seen before. You know, he's seen boxers with power, um, but he hasn't seen a UFC fighter with uh with power and them shots coming at different angles that are unpredictable to block and see. So uh, I would definitely try and get him to utilize that. What do you make of the theory finally that with Fury and Alexander Usyk signed, it might have just sharpened the mind of Fury if he was underestimating this task against Nagano that that people were saying Ah, he'll just take it too easy. Might take his eye off the ball. Yeah, I mean, I hope not because that's the fight we want to see, isn't it? That's the real, that's the real uh, fight of the heavyweight division right now. Uh, Fury Usyk. We want to see that the skills be, um, you know, the smaller guy that's got a lot of skills and, and shown that over and over again. So you know, I hope he stays focused, stays sharp, and doesn't take his eye off the ball because you know, Ngannou can can change that in a second, but. I expect Fury to uh, cruise to victory and and then we'll see the, the real heavyweight matchup. Todd, I don't know what you make of that. Harlem Eubank saying, you cannot write Francis Ngannou off in this fight against Tyson Fury because one punch can change anything in a heavyweight fight and he's got the equaliser in his hands. Um, and he says that when you've got that power, that kind of punch power, you can't be completely written off, even though people see Fury as an enormous favorite. I think, you know, I think that's been the sentiment across the board. I think when we've seen these crossover fights, um, we've had some difficulty of people saying, I, I don't see them playing outright. I think that, you know, it's two different sports and you're putting one guy in a format that doesn't make sense. But I think when you talk about, you know, even Mayweather getting touched up for a second by Conor McGregor, right? He, he did get, he did land punches. Mm -hmm. Floyd was catching punches. But when you think of the sheer size of those Conor and Fury and Conor's power that we know he has, it is heavyweight. Anything can happen. Me and I have been around and seen heavyweight matches where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Wesley Douglas swings out of the program and schools Mike Tyson, right? And he's a 45 to one shot. Um, so that makes the equalizer. 
heavy side, very mad. We're talking about heavyweights. What an undercard of heavyweight fights. Fabio Wardley, David Adelaide, Joseph Parker, Simon Keane, Martin Bacoli, Carlos Takam. I think I'm forgetting one here. There's a guy called Arslan Beck Makhmudov, who you guys promote, who when I, I think he's a little bit under the radar at the moment, one of the dark horses of the division. Obviously, he's an Eastern European man mountain. You'll have stood next to him. I couldn't believe how big he was the first time I stood next to him <laughs> because he is literally... It feels like a double barn door when you stand next to him. He's six five. He feels about five foot wide. He's a very gentle fellow, but he is a tank in the ring, isn't he? Um, do, you, do you remember? Do you remember that James Bond movie, The Guy Jaws? You know that was like had the big teeth and yeah. the silver teeth, and he was like, well, "That's what he reminds me of." It's like Jaws of boxing, like the guy's coming out at you. Um, you know, I think you know the, the show was really well put together. Uh, collaboratively um, with the host, uh, uh, host Stenier. And uh, and I think the, the Sela and GEA realized, listen, let's bring a heavyweight type of match here, eclectic, and all over, you know, getting all the different sides of it, put on really competitive fights. And they know that, you know, the heavyweights never go away. And one of those that are in the pack could be the next Tyson Fury, or Nevada, or Joshua, or Wild, or Yusuf. And to bring them to the center stage in this format is just something that helps elevate the sport altogether. So I think they curated together, we all curated a wonderful Yeah, I do think Arslan Beck Mahmoudov is one of those guys that may well, if he keeps going like he does, be one of the big stars of the division. Uh, at the moment, yeah, you, have a, you know, I think we have a, um, a really, you know, I think it's actually a subject for further conversations. What do the heavyweights look like after the time? You know, fourth, right? And before that, we could probably say maybe on their back nine right now, um, and start to say, look at, you know, the the auto line just had a great win the other day. You know, the hurt of things over there, and the Jared Anderson of the world, the in the world. I mean, we're really seeing a really nice, when you talk about the renaissance that happened with this class that's already in there, it's it perpetuating. It's staying in line with it. We're not seeing it fall off. We're not seeing who's next. It used to be a narrative that was always like, what's next? Yeah. And I think we have a pack of guys that are next. And a pack of guys that are really going to make compelling fights and very intelligent and are going to connect to a big audience. And they're happy to. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great, great stuff, Todd. Um, I've also caught up with another one of your guys this week, Josh Taylor, the former undisputed super lightweight champion of the world. I know you're bringing him back maybe early next year or late this year. I spoke to him uh, about that. Josh Taylor, one of the great British fighters, of course, very proud Scotsman. Well, he had this to tell me, Todd, about Nagano, what he has to do against Tyson Fury. Josh, uh, thanks for talking to me for the Battle of the Baddest podcast. Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou, it's a month away now. A lot of people not giving Francis Ngannou much of a chance. Obviously, he's been a UFC heavyweight champion. Yeah. Um, are there things that Fury's got to be careful about in this fight? Uh, it's difficult to say. Um, I mean, he's got a puncher's chance, that's for sure. Um he looks like he can punch. He looks like he can really whack. Um, so he's always he's always got that chance. You know, he obviously can really fight. But boxing wise, I've seen a bit of some videos of him lately. The last couple of days, he's doing a little bit of boxing and doesn't look up to much. You know, uh, but if you know, he's always got that puncher's chance. If he catches Tyson, it could be lights out. They're they're big men. They like getting hit with one of these guys like getting kicked from a horse, you know, so um, anything can happen in heavyweight boxing for sure. Um, I just don't think Ngannou can get anywhere near Tyson Fury, to be honest. I think he's, for one, Tyson's bigger than him and he's the heavyweight world champion and he's a, he's a big, he's a good big mover as well. So um, I think Ngannou will, will struggle, but if he can get that shot off, it could be lights out, but I've I, I really struggling to see it. If you were in his corner advising Nagano, what would you get him to do when the bell rings? Don't really know, because um, it's a hard one. You know, you don't, you've not really seen how how he's been performing or training or anything like that. So, I guess for me, it would just be you're not going to outbox him. So try and make it ugly and physical, and you know, and make it a real fight. You know, try and get close to him and and just try and make it a dog fight, really. Um, try and push him back to the ropes and use a bit of your grappling when you're up close and um, and using your head sort of control and all that kind of stuff and and try and make it a real dirty dog fight. But um, I think that's his only chance. And if he only if he catches him with one of his big punches, it's only there's only kind of chance to see him having. But you know, nevertheless, it's heavyweight boxing and anything can happen. If Nagano did pull off the improbable and landed a big punch and got Fury yeah. down or knocked him out. Would that be the biggest upset in heavyweight boxing we've ever seen, do you think? Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be, isn't it? Um, certainly since Tyson and um, Buster Douglas. Buster you know, that was, Buster Douglas. A, yeah, Buster Douglas. That was, a, that was a huge one. But I think this would be even bigger. Yeah, I think this would be bigger. Because he would be losing to a non-boxer. You know? 
Yeah, and he's the number one in the era, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be, I think it would be the biggest uh, heavyweight upset. Yeah. And after seeing, if you've seen it, Alexander Usyk and Daniel Dubois, did you think Usyk would beat Fury before you saw that fight? Do you think Usyk beats Fury at all? I think Usyk gives him a hell of a lot of problems. That's for sure with his movement and his style and his shot, his shot picking and stuff. Um, I think it would be a bit of a nightmare for Tyson in terms of Tyson trying to get him down and nail him down and with his movement and stuff. But I've always said that a good big one always beats a good little one. Um, and I just think Tyson's just too big and too powerful. Um, I just, yeah, I just think it's just too big and too big and too powerful for uh, Usyk. But I do think that Usyk will give him huge problems with his movement and his tactics and stuff. But um, I've always said that I think Tyson would just be a little bit too big and also a good boxing brain as well. So I just think he's just too big to 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 not to be beaten by Usyk. And we saw that Daniel Dubois gave him a little bit of problems as well with hurting him with, with them body shots. Um, is your view on Fury coloured by you doing some sparring with him? Because I know you, he's a he's a foot taller than you and I. Um, you had a little <laughs> spar with him, didn't you? I was just like hitting a big heavy bag. You know, it was like, uh, I guess me hitting away at him, I think he was just like getting stung by a wasp or something, you know, <laughs> annoying little pesky wasp. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just like, it was just like hitting a big heavy bag. It probably felt like I was tickling him. <laughs> Brilliant, Josh. Great to speak to you. Thank you for stopping on your com commute uh, from Liverpool back up to Preston Pens. It's great to speak to you as always. Stay well. Can't wait to see you back. Well, him saying there, Todd, Josh believing that Naganu has a puncher's chance and that he's got to go in there, make it a dogfight, use grappling if he has to. It's his only chance. Make it ugly and make it very physical. He said that's the only way he's going to do it if he can beat Fury. Do you agree? I think they, I think they're all saying I think these guys are saying the same thing. They're they're, they're bringing the same components to what they see Ngannou has to do. I mean, we've seen Tyson get bored. I mean, it's not like he doesn't get get hit, and it's not like he. I mean, Wilder we admit has a terrific fight, but don't forget the Cunningham fight in New York, which was a lighter heavyweight that that hit him on the chin and had him on his seat. So I think what they're saying is is muck it up. Use your physical side, use your punch, and if you can touch him up, you're going to have a chance here. And I think that's if, you, if, if Mike Tyson's his trainer, if Josh Taylor's his trainer, if if any of these guys are his trainer, they're going to get in the same directions. Everybody can see how we can play out being in the sport. It's heavyweights, and just get inside on him and try to land that shot. Very interesting, Todd. Like you say, a lot of people seem to have the formula for what Francis Ngannou either has to do or might do. But as we know, you have to expect the unexpected in boxing, especially in heavyweight boxing. Well, I caught up with Carl Frampton. He's got a new book out. He'll be working, of course, a two-weight world champion, absolute legend from Belfast. He will be working, of course, as a pundit 
um, and a presenter for TNT Sports on the night in Riyadh season on October the 28th when TNT Sports broadcast Fury versus Nganu, the battle of the baddest. Here's what Carl had to say. I, I, to write him off completely and give him zero chance, I think that would be foolish. But to give him a small chance, I think that's probably a sensible thing to do. He certainly has a small. I want to say small. It's a very small chance because he is a he's a he's an athletic specimen. Um, he's a he's a monstrous puncher. Um, but you know he's fighting the lineal heavyweight champion and he's having his first boxing match. So to put it into perspective, it's. It's going to be a tough night for him. But what I will say is what gives him an even slightly a slightly better chance is the fact that Fury now has a fight already lined up with Alexander Usyk. Um, and it's announced already as well that this fight's done. Um, it's, I always just see that as a bit of a, a dangerous thing to do when you haven't had your next fight yet. It's that weird thing of you're going to win the semi-final anyway to get into the final. You've got to yeah. win the semi-final first, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you, you put it that way and talk about semi-finals. We've seen some big upsets and 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 semi-finals in all different sports. So, um, who knows? But the, he, he's got a chance, but it's it's very, very small. Do, do you, if he did do it, would you see it as the biggest upset of a world heavyweight champion in boxing history it's got it's got to be it's got to be yeah it's got to be bigger than than anything really um, Mike Tyson and Buster Douglas Mike Tyson or... and Buster Douglas even even I think Ali and Foreman was an upset in, at the time and, and Ali and Liston I think may have been an upset yeah. too it's yeah. way it's way bigger than that Andy Ruiz and, and Joshua way bigger than any of those very interestingly Todd um, Carl, always very honest and saying, I only see a slim chance for Francis and Ngannou. Um, the danger, he believes, we haven't touched on this yet, is that the Fury-Usyk fight has already been signed and that will Fury have one eye off the ball? What's your take on that? You know, I, I'm really... I, that's a good question. I'm not sure that... Um, Tyson plays that uh, gets distracted by that. I think I think he even what we know is that he loves to be up. He loves to be in the gym. Loves to see like the schedule played out. And in previous fights that we've had, we you know we've seen him say, "Hey, I'm gonna fight here. I want to fight there." So he's always had it. I think the music fight, as we've talked about it over the last six months, uh, prior to um, getting. Was something that it it was inevitable. We, we all believed it should have happened. No different than Tyson and Joshua should have And I felt really comfortable about like I think this makes sense. It makes sense for both guys. So I think Tyson's a real pro. Um, I think he knows what he has to do. Um, and I think he he realizes that you know that 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 crown that he always wanted which was using him to put all the titles together is right in front of him and he's got to stay focused. I agree with you. I can't see him not being focused, but Carl and I talking there about the, you know, the danger of being in a semi-final almost, not semi-final, but it's like a semi-final. You've got to get through this one to get to that one. Obviously you can't get cut or injured and all those things as well. I think it's more, um, it's more jeopardy uh, for him uh, to get through. Um, Carl also saying there 
if Nganu beats Fury, be it by knockout, which most people give him the opportunity to do if he's going to do it, no one can see him outboxing Fury. I can't either. You'd have to be a lunatic to say he's going to outbox Fury over 10 rounds. That, that, that doesn't make any sense at all. Carl saying it will be the biggest upset in the history of the heavyweight division if an MMA king, the former UFC heavyweight champion, defeats Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight boxing champion. Biggest upset of all time in heavyweight boxing? You know, I'm not as much of a historian as so when I get posed those questions, I call him up and he rattles something off from like the 1910s or something. So I can't yeah. say absolute. Um, but maybe in my lifetime, other than I mean, I think I think Buster Douglas and Tyson is a pretty big upset. Um, Ruiz, I think a lot of Joshua down four times was a big upset as well in New York. Nah, not like it, not like not like Buster Douglas. But but Bob said you know, I think, was because. He said that when you guys had Andy Ruiz for 20 fights, he couldn't punch a hole in a paper bag. Uh, I, I, that may be Bob's opinion. I thought was, we always thought Andy had quick hands and yeah. I could track a little bit. He always had quick hands. Um, he clearly could. And, and, and we also saw, yeah, I mean, I think we saw some vulnerability with Joshua prior to that. Yeah. Right? You know, um, he was on the deck with, I think, uh, with Klitschko. He got buzzed by Dylan White earlier. He was not that aggressive agent, right? He was a little timid, you know, going into that fact, you know, ever since those fights. So I don't, I'm not sure that that was as big of a, an upset. I mean, I think Tyson was the baddest man on the planet of that era. And going to Japan with uh, just a who is Buster Douglas was a pretty miraculous upset. A lot of conditions happened, a lot of things. So that was probably the biggest heavyweight upside in my life. I'm hearing there's a massive appetite, though, um, from my sources to get Fury against Usyk this year, to go for December the 23rd. Um, a huge appetite from the organisers to get that date. Is that your intel as well? Is that where you guys are headed towards at the moment? I, mean, I think if you were going to take one, you know, listen, you're, you're asking, we're all asking, is Tyson going to over what's in front of him in October? And now you're asking me to overlook what's in front of us in October. Well, if he does, so I'm trying he to does get through it. I'm trying okay. to get If he does. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think he, I think if he does get through it, I think timing-wise, the earlier the better, right? They're both, music just came out of his win, nice win uh, against Dubois. He's in shape. Tyson's in shape now. Um, the consistency of keeping the cadence going, keeping him on the timeline, would make sense to happen sometime in late December, maybe early January. But obviously, we don't control that. You know, there's the ball, but that's what you would hope for. I think we get both guys at peak assuming that, you know, the razors are still ready to go. There's, there's no build-up for this one. We, we already know it's at stake there. Right. There's no big press conferences all over the you know, multi-city tour, which we just go through. And I think that's important. Do you think in the next two or three weeks it's really going to dawn on people just how big, like you just described it, the enormity of this event, two heavyweights opening a global six-month season, which has so much investment in it, 
it's staggering. Yeah, you, I do. I think I think if you you know, I've had fortunate I've been very fortunate to meet with the people at the GBA and the sellers and organizers to see that what we call quote unquote American terms in the marketing right? And as a result of that, um, you know, I, I think they're they're gonna start to the light switch is going to be up mm. and you're gonna notice it. And when they and they have a wonderful this is a wonderful thing to put at the summer. Right, this event, these two giants at the center of this occasion, most festival, is wonderfully presented. And uh, it's a privilege to be a part of it and to see what they're doing and see how they're going about touching and getting the message out to everybody through social platforms, through digital billboards, through big billboards, through the sphere exteriors. All of that stuff are the elements that are so much so important to driving awareness. Especially and creating what we always say is the greatest thing is create that sense of missing out that if you can't be there you're missing out, right that FOMO and I think they've done a great job and I've seen what their plans have been to draw attention to it and I think it's it's relatively important. brilliant stuff Todd it's great to catch up with you can't wait to see you in fight week in Riyadh for the Riyadh season and Fury versus Ngannou in the Battle of the Baddest. Thank you very much for being on the Battle of the Baddest podcast. Have a great day. Well, they lit up the lights in Las Vegas for the Fury and Ngannou Battle of the Baddest, which opens the Riyadh season on October the 28th three weeks to go there's a lot of excitement around this and as we've heard today from our boxing experts those who've been world champions that you cannot simply write francis and garnu off there's jeopardy here and we will find out in three weeks time you've been watching battle of the baddest i'm gareth davis we'll see you next week Social Podcast Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.